Hey guys, thanks for watching Ike Live. It's brought to you by Mystery Tackle Box. Please check them out. They've got a great product. Go to mysterytacklebox.com. If you use the coupon code IKELIVE, you get 50% off Sweet. your first pro box. That's $12.50 <laughs> for a almost $50 value of baits in this box. Uh, welcome back to Ike Live. I hope you're having a wonderful Sunday. I know we are. Uh, man, what a heck! Yeah, what a heck of a warm up uh, that was. Uh, doing a little catch up here with the Ike Live crew. Uh, very, 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 very awesome. Uh, during the commercial break, I don't know if you got to see it, but we had a Flambo commercial in there. And I do want to just say real quick, Flambo has two new boxes out going on right now. Uh, they've got the a blade crate and the crank bank. Blade crate, crank bank. Two very unique boxes. Um, if you're looking for a way to store your spinner baits or buzz baits, or if you're looking for a unique way to store your plugs without tangling them up, please check out those two boxes. They're pretty awesome. Um, this is going to be a good segment, man. Uh, we've had, I, I, I look back back on the history of Ike Live, Brian Carpenter, if I call click, click, talking about six years. Um, we've had some amazing guests. We, we have, we've had some amazing guests with some great backstories, doing some amazing stuff. Um, and the ones that stand out always seem like they're uh, like a lot of the military guys we've had on. Mm -hmm. their, their background, what they've been through. But the biggest thing is the conversion of what they're doing now. It's always so awesome. It's always so awesome. Uh, and I cannot wait to talk to this guy in just a second. We're going to be talking to Matt Foreman in a second. Before we do that, I do want to talk, speaking of military, I want to thank our military men and women, active and veterans. Thank you guys for what you do. It's a crazy world. Also, shout out to our policemen, Dave, our firemen, our EMT, uh, first responders out there. Thank you, uh, especially now with everything going on. We really appreciate your service. Yes, yeah. yes. It's a strange world right now. Um, but let's, uh, Brian, let's, let's dial ready. up, Matt. We're ready. Awesome. We're ready. Um, joining us now, so, so excited. Cannot wait to talk to him on the phone. Uh, we've got a retired uh, Navy SEAL, uh, just just a, a hero of everybody, especially ours. We've got Matt Foreman joining us here on Ike Live, joining us right on the show tonight. Matt, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Can you guys hear me okay? We hear yeah. you great. We hear you great. Thanks for joining us on Ike Live. First, first thing I want to get right off the top of it is – Dave Brodzik and Brian the Carpenter were reading your bio, and they're mad at you because you get to live in the Florida Keys. You get to work and live in the Florida Keys. <laughs> so they're very upset with you right now. That's their dream, you know? Yeah, I get it. I, I mean, I got there the hard way. I, you know, I, I paid my dues. You know, I just retired a little bit over a year ago uh, from almost 23 years in the SEAL team. So wife and I decided this was a good place to kind of slow down the pace of life a little bit, yeah. uh, enjoy time with our family. Yeah, we got three boys, and uh, and we're doing it out here on the water every day. Did you already have the property, or did you buy it like uh, recently? Like, what was what's the deal with that? Yeah, I, I bought it about five years ago, okay. uh, but we just retired, like I said, June of 2019. Uh, so really, last summer I was still an active duty SEAL. So I uh, started my own uh, charter business down here in Island Rada, and I wasn't busy enough. So I'm also a full time college student now. Wow. Um, and then, uh, like you guys know, I do some volunteer work, with some great organizations like Force Blue. So yeah. I got, got our uh, hands in a lot of things down here. It's been fun. One more question about Isle of Mirada. I always wonder what it's like, like 
I don't know how old your kids are, but what's the what's the, like with school down there? Like, are they decent schools? I mean, I'm asking because we're always looking to move. He's been saying this for ten years. Yeah, this, and he's this, killing this, this is his dream <laughs> right this is here. True. This Listen, is true. yeah, I tell you what, you know, it's uh, we have a fifteen. We have three boys: fifteen, twelve, and ten. Uh, so we got our hands full. We got everything from elementary, middle school to high school. You know, they're still on virtual right now. We're kind of like everyone else, figuring out what's going to happen. But uh, we've been really happy with the key with the uh, schools and the keys here. Okay. Uh, and I can't say enough things about living here. I mean, you know, yesterday I was in the Everglades National Park, you know, guiding a couple from Tennessee, catching snook, you name it, wow. triple tails. You know, today I was scuba diving out of the reef with my 12 year old while my oldest son was out catching black fins and mahis out front. So there's not a whole lot of places in the world where you can go from, you know, backcountry skinny water to offshore, you know, in the same day with some scuba diving in between. So I can't, yeah, uh, I can't say enough good things about Alamorada. Wow, that's awesome! It's a dream, dream for a lot of people. I know uh, Becky, we we love it down there. We go we go to Key West almost every year. We we love it. We love the lifestyle down there. We love the fishing down there, especially. It's great, uh, Matt. I I do want to talk a little bit about your backstory. And like I said, we've had we've had some amazing, uh, very special guys on this show in the past. We've had guys from a lot of different branches of the service. Um, what what what's your story on how you got there? Because We've talked about it so many times that it takes a very, very special person to join the service. It takes a very special person to work the way up to the ranks and to get to that level, to get to be a SEAL. It's a, it takes a special kind of guy. Was it always a growing up? Was it, is it something you had on your radar? Did you fall into it a different way? How did, how did you get to, to be in the Navy? I was just told if you're going to be stupid, you better be tough. So I figured that was a good path. <laughs> you know, I grew up I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia, you know, right next to Norfolk, largest yeah. naval base in the world, uh, and home to the East Coast SEAL team. You know, my dad was a SEAL for twenty six years. So, you know, when I was a little kid I watched how I watched how people watched him. I watched how people reacted when he talked. I watched how people reacted when he came in the room. Um, you know, I Took me a little while. You know, I did some other things. I didn't join the Navy till I was twenty three. I didn't join right out of high school like some guys do. Um, but it was always in the back of my mind. It was always something that, uh, that I was interested in. Yeah. Uh, growing up with a dad who did it, uh, it's, it's a special thing. Well, special what was thing. your MOS when you went in the Navy? What was like your real blue water Navy job? Yeah. So I went to a radio and a school immediately after a uh, boot camp, which was about 14 weeks long. Uh, and then from there I went straight to buds. So I, I went to the school you know, they don't do that anymore, but back in those days, they, you know, they gave you an MOS or a rating because statistically you're not going to make it through buds and they had to have something to do with you, you know, if you got hurt or quit or, or what have you. Uh, so I went to the school, but you know, I never, I never performed the job. I went straight to buds and I was a SEAL for. So when you were in buds, did you get extra razzed because your dad or did they stand off for you because of your dad? No, I didn't tell anybody. I, you know, that would have been a fatal mistake probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody found out until uh, you know probably the day of our graduation. To be honest with you, I mean my closest wow. friends knew. <laughs> my closest friends knew, but uh, you know they were sworn to secrecy. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty nuts. I actually I taught at a police academy. That's actually pretty amazing that you were able to keep something like that secret in such a small community, man. No, I never thought it would work, but it did. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't understate, I can't overstate that enough. Like you know, yeah. like in that that community is way smaller than the law enforcement community. For yeah. him to keep it secret that his dad was a 26 year vet, and the well, instructors only, didn't know. 
you know, not only did I did not want the you know extra attention, yeah. uh, I, I never wanted anyone to say, hey, you made it because of your dad. Yeah, I never yeah, wanted yeah, anyone yeah. to say, hey, you know, they looked the other way because of who your old man was. I didn't ever want anyone to be able to say that to me. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Now, Matt, I, I do want to I want to talk a little bit about um, you know your your life as a seal, and I know there's things you can't talk about. I know there's a lot of stuff you want to talk about and you can't, but I want to talk about how you deal with the pressure because we we've talked about that before. We've had athletes on this show. We've had a professional fisherman at the highest level. We talk to them about the pressure, right? We say, how do you deal with tournament pressure? How do you deal with the fish changing, the changing conditions? How do you deal with, you know, uh, you know, a, a swing, uh, an at bat, and you miss, and you got to get back up there. But but being a seal, being deployed, dealing with the stuff that you guys, the situations that you guys are put in, how do you deal with that pressure? Was that is that a learned thing? Is that something you got better at with time? Well, you know, I heard one of my very first COs, in fact, when I was a bud student, you know, he said the difference between combat and sports is in combat, you bury the guy who comes in second place. Huh. Uh, so we spent wow. a lot of yeah. time training. Yeah. Uh, we spent a lot of time training, a lot of iterations. Uh, I got to be you know, very frank with you. Nothing will prepare you uh, right. for the first time when it's real. Anybody who says that it does is just bullshitting you. Yeah. Um, really, it comes from a lot of training and a lot of iteration and building the right team around you. Uh, you know, I had a lot of really good, especially as I became more senior, I had a lot of really, really good young SEALs that worked for me. I had a lot of really good officers that I worked alongside. You know, I'm a retired master chief, so I was an enlisted guy. Um, you know, I'm not saying I didn't do anything, but those people made me look pretty damn good. Yeah. Team that- I appreciate it. Well, yeah, the team. The team was important. Yeah, the yeah. Team we, and was we've everything. heard we've heard that before too, yeah. Dave. There's a yeah. lot. Yeah, to do yeah. I mean, you have good guys under you. They can make you look like a rock star. You, you could be a good guy yourself with a bunch of dummies under you, and you're going to look terrible. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Absolutely. And I and, and the team at home too. You know, I've been married. You know, my wife for 18 years. She went through you know a deployment and a little bit of time. You know, in the SEAL teams before we got married. Um, She's been with me the whole time. Uh, so really, you know, without her, parents, kids, you know, nobody can do it regardless of the team you build around you at work. Yeah, you had an army. You have an army too, man. She was basically a single mom for a lot of it, you know? For a lot of it. Uh, and she handled it like a champ. Yeah. So, you know, you know, you know what stands out to me? <clears throat> you became a SEAL in 99. Where were, you, where were you when the attacks happened on September 11th, 2001? Uh, I was in Hurlburt Field, Florida, uh, down at the home of AFSOC, the Air Force Special Operations Command. And uh, at that time, we were, I was a uh, forward air controller, JTAC. Uh, so I was down there doing some training, call for fire with AC-130 and some of the other uh, yeah. rotary wing gunships that they used to have down there. Uh, so, yeah, we were down there training and, uh, you know, saw it on TV like everyone else. And we deployed about three weeks later. And it was pretty, actually pretty anticlimactic deployment. You know, we were still kind of trying to find our ass with both hands at that point. Uh, but yeah, that's where I was. I was in Florida when it happened. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, I'm actually, re- I don't know, if, I mean, I, I know it's a small community, but I'm actually reading Mike Day's book now, Perfectly Wounded. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just I listened to him on Jocko's podcast, and that's what made me buy the book, actually, was listening to his story on, on, on Jocko's podcast. But I always find it interesting to listen to warriors that were enlisted at the time it happened and where they were at and how quickly they actually got to be activated and sent over there. That's why I asked you that question, you know. Yeah, things things got real, you know, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me remind everybody watching, uh, you're watching Ike Live. We're talking to Matt Foreman. Uh, if you've got a question or comment for anything you hear on the show, please hit us up. And uh, Riz is taking all the questions right now. Uh, Matt, I want to talk a little bit about the the, the conversion. Um, because, again, we've had guys that have been on the show and they've had an easy conversion uh, after their life in the military to other things. We've had other guys that have kind of struggled. Talk a little bit about, you know, now now you're retired. Uh, you're doing some amazing things uh, with Force Blue that we're going to be talking about in a second. How was your conversion? Was it was it an easy transfer over to civilian life? Was it a hard one? How, how, how was that for you? Yeah, definitely not easy. Yeah. Uh, you know, after two and a half decades, you know, but, you know, my entire adult life up to that point uh, is all I knew. You know, and, and retiring as a master chief, you know, a lot of people just do like this when you talk, when you're a master chief, you know, that changes real quick the day you're not in the Navy anymore. So it's, it's a difficult transition. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you know, came home uh, and your wife just did this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, she was never one of, she was never one of these. <laughs> um, but, you, you know, you just go from, uh, you know, I don't want to use the term, or maybe I will, you know, on top to just kind of like, okay, now what? Um, you know, and then you throw in the, you know, we, we kind of scrapped the traditional retirement plan and we wanted to do something really cool for our family, for our kids and come down here to Isla Mirada. So that, you know, a little bit of self-inflicted, uh, you know, tension there as well, you know, because now we're trying to figure out how to, you know, how to connect the dots financially, schools, all the things you brought up, you know, it's a very, very new environment yeah, yeah. For most of our life. But, uh, you know, I've had, again, family's everything. You know, wife's, wife's here every day. Um, Kids are here every day, keeping me going. We love it. You know, I work with great organizations like Force Blue, you know, and that's one of the things they do is they bring veterans together, you know, and they give give guys that, uh, you know, mission-focused, you know, goal-oriented teams uh, to tackle some pretty serious problems. So, you know, there's a lot of great organizations out there that really help. But it, it, it's difficult. I don't, I don't know anybody who's told me their transition from active duty was easy. Not one of them. Right. Some of them probably had better plans than others. You know, maybe were set up financially better than others. It is. There is nothing easy about you know, leaving a life of service and, and becoming a civilian when you're you know, almost 50 years old. Now, yeah. Matt, let, let me ask you this, Matt. Like, did you have a moment where you were ever around a crowd of people when you first got out and you told a joke or you, or you said something that normally would have made everyone laugh in your old life? And it was just, <laughs> and it was just pure crickets around a bunch of the civilians. Did you have that, did you ever have that moment? Because it's yeah, I yeah, I get that moment, uh, you know, and I probably talk to people sometimes, you know, forgetting that I'm not a master chief anymore yeah. either. So, you know, it goes both ways. <laughs> Mike, Mike can slightly relate though. I have to be honest because I spend a lot of time by myself. Like once the kids started school, I, I'm not going to say that I'm like a military wife because it's not like he leaves me for six, 12, 18 months, but there are long periods of time where, I hold down the home front. And yeah. even when he comes home, it's like he runs through for a couple days and it's like Santa Claus is here and then Santa Claus leaves again. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so yeah. it was, so yeah. we, we've never really been set up for him to have to be 
a full partner in a lot of the home stuff. And yeah. and that's not a slight on him. That's just the way our life is laid yeah. out. So quarantine hits and he comes home and we're like, oh my God, he's home. And I have to tell you, there are periods of time, like between the kids, myself, <laughs> Mike, that I think we all wanted to stab each other because the kids and I very much have a routine. Sorry, babe. That's okay. We have a routine. You know what I mean? And I have to run a really mm -hmm. tight ship because I have to run a business. I've got to get the kids to school. Now all of a sudden I'm homeschooling the kids. Like it was a very stressful time. And now there's this person there who hasn't always played that role of like enforcer or, you know what I mean? Like yeah, he, the kids get to use he was Santa Claus. The yeah. kids get to use wire hangers now. <laughs> right? So I had I to learn. One of those not too long ago, Dave. <laughs> There's some crazy transitions that happen yeah. when all of a sudden that person is back in the house full time because this isn't a role they've had. So for you guys, you you moved yeah. and you took on this permanent role yeah. in your uh, household yeah. that I'm sure your wife, your kids, like all of you had to transition to and get used yeah. to. It's a huge change. It's a change. And that's like, yeah. yeah, it is. It is. And whether it was coming home from deployment and they're, you know, they're firing on all cylinders and you inject yourself right away. It can, yeah. it can be very awkward. Uh, especially when you come home and the house has been remodeled and you're like, Whoa, what happened while I was gone? <laughs> 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 this. Um, so she's so yeah, wife walls, walls too. It's <laughs> also been a blessing, you know. The last year I'm here, you know, I go, I, you know, we, we're lucky enough to live where we live, and we're in walking distance to school. So I'm walking with the boys to school. I'm, I'm not missing baseball. I'm, I'm not missing any of the stuff uh, that I missed for the last, you know, 15 years of their, you know, combined lives. Yeah. So it's good to hear, man. It's, it's, it's been really, really, really nice. Yeah. And really nice to be there that and be a awesome. part of it. That's awesome. Well, I want to hear more about Force for, Blue. It's a transition for everybody. Even one of the teachers at the kids' school didn't want to release them to me one day. I guess I look like, uh, like a fake or something. <laughs> 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 they, they knew who I was. Yeah. That actually happened to Mike when our kids were in preschool because you had to do the finger scan in order to get your kids out. Yeah, and his fingers are so ripped up from fishing <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that the scan wouldn't work. And the woman's like... I'm not sure if you should take these children. <laughs> He's like, I'm their father. He's like, I have $120 skinny jeans on, bitch. That's I'm right. taking these kids. That's right. <laughs> you see these skinny jeans? Give me them damn kids. You see my loafers? You know? See these loafers? Got these loafers in Espana. Uh, Riz, I know we got some uh, We got some questions coming through. What do we got? We do. Um DB wants to know, uh, while deployed, did you ever come across a spot where you thought to yourself, damn, I wish I had my fishing rod right now? <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Many times. Absolutely. I've seen, you know, plenty of, uh, you know, ponds, lakes, and rivers in Iraq and Afghanistan that were you know, beaming with fish. Oh, not, sure I would have eaten, not sure I would have eaten them. It would <laughs> fun to tighten the line on. Which river had better fish, Euphrates or the Tigris? I can't. I, I'd be guessing. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if guys caught him over there. That's all. Yeah. It's usually dark when I saw him. So. Ah. <clears throat> what else? What do you got? Uh, Team No Fish wants to know what was the hardest part of training as a SEAL that you experienced? That's easy. Just the overall length of it. You know, getting every day, getting up at 4 a.m., knowing for the next, you know, six to seven months that. You know, you're just going to get crushed. It's just literally the overall length of it. I don't think there's any one particular day or time of year or event. It's just a really, really long grind. Yeah. What is what is what is 
training like? I mean, are you getting up at 4 a.m., running five miles? Or, you know, what, what kind of physical punishment do they put you through? Well, you'll run, as a bud student, you'll run almost six miles a day just to eat because the chow hall is that far away. So to run there three times a day and back comes out to be a six miles. So that's just that's just to feed yourself. Uh, so it depends on what phase of bud you're in. You know, the first phase is more kind of weeding out and more selection. And then you start to move into combat swimmer techniques and, you know, explosive theory, explosive techniques, more uh, maneuver warfare type stuff. So it progresses as you go. Mm. Did you do lots of running, is there only lots one of location for buds, Matt? Is it, is it only in California or is there one on the East Coast too? There, there was a long time ago. My dad went through training when it was on the East Coast, but it's all been in California since, I think, I believe, the you know, early to mid-70s. Did you make it's it on your first buds? I did. Thank God. Nice. Six months, was, that was long enough. Was it a summer or a winter <laughs> class? Uh, I started in January and finished in August, so I had it all. I had first phase and hell week in the winter, but we wrapped up in the summer, which was a good thing. What's the what's like the water temperature in the Pacific Ocean when you're when you're going through all that stuff with the you know the the surf torture and the boat carry and yeah, it's um you know the Pacific's cold all year round, uh, but in the winter it's probably low fifties. You know, I'd say maybe 50, 50, 52 degrees, and then That's... you know still still only probably getting into the mid 60s in the summer so it, it never really you know warms up like right but your your air temperature's got to be colder in a in a winter winter class right uh no question yeah, yeah no question yep yeah. that's yeah okay i'm such a pansy the pool gets to 80 degrees and i turn the heat up to 90 <laughs> yeah. like i'm you are a pansy yeah, that's 52 true. is brutal <laughs> that's wow. cool. yeah, you know, the water the water here in isla Mirada was 91 degrees today oh, in the winter my gosh. In the really? winter, it'll drop down to you know mid to upper 70s, and a lot of the people that have lived here for a long time will, will act like it's wetsuit weather. So <laughs> well, it's all relative crazy. to where you live. That's yeah. crazy. All right, now I I do want to dive more into Force Blue, Matt. You know, you guys have served your country at the highest level, uh, and now you're you're working with this organization called Force Blue, uh, and it's great for us involved in the fishing industry you know because what you guys are doing is super super important you know we do a lot of freshwater stuff but in saltwater what you're doing is is critical talk a little bit about force blue and and what you guys do sure so force blue is a nonprofit. um you know in, in a nutshell it's a we take veterans, military divers, ex-combat divers you know whether you were a seal or you know an air force PJ, combat controller, Navy diver, what have you, any, any MOS in any branch uh, that has divers, uh, you know, we build, you know, purposely built teams to tackle specific uh, environmental, you know, marine environmental challenges, you know, coral reef restoration, coral reef, you know, replanting out plants, um, you know, sea turtle rescue, uh, it really sort of the sky is the limit. I've uh, been focused mostly in the last year, me personally, uh, with Force Blue on the coral reef restoration stuff. Yeah. So, so let, me, let me drill down on that. Have you noticed since COVID and the the limited amount of cruise ships coming through that your reefs getting healthier, or, or is there any correlation to that? The yeah, I, I don't know. It's I don't think I think it would take way too long, uh, you know, for that data to come through. Um, I haven't noticed anything specifically. Um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the issues, you know, it depends on what you're talking about. But, you know, some of the issues that are destroying the reef are you know, directly tied to 
sea temperature. Some of the issues affecting the reef are directly tied to, you know, bacteria in the water, you know, dirty water, if you will. Sure. Yeah. So it really just depends on where, you know, where on that Florida reef track that you're talking about and what the issues are. And a lot of people don't realize that's the only, you know, living coral reef track in the continental United States and yeah. how vital it is to, you know, really the economy, but you know, much more than that, you know, that thing saves our ass from hurricanes down here. That's a yeah. that's a break that's a threat's a breakwater three miles out to sea. Uh, right. that's knocking down a lot of stuff that'll end up in people's backyards if it's not here anymore. So there's a lot more to it than just not being able to go out there and see the you know the pretty reef and the pretty fish. So I, what are wait, so what are you guys doing, physically doing, I guess, to help the reefs? Like how, So how? it depends. So you know, the hundred yards of hope, uh, which is like how this relationship here initially got started talking about was a project we did up off of uh, Miami Beach, Biscayne Bay uh, for the NFL last year. Uh, and that was you know, sort of ground zero for this disease that's been sort of eating the coral reef track uh, along Florida's East Coast. Uh, so, you know, with a lot of really, really smart people, you know, it, the, the group that we put together to do these projects, it's you become the dumbest guy in the room really quickly. <laughs> Start bringing in the, the scientists and, and, and everybody who put this thing together. But essentially, uh, for that specific project, we planted a coral reef uh, in the dimensions of a football field because it was in honor of the uh, Super Bowl being in Miami in the 100th season of the NFL. Uh, so we planted a reef there. And those were those were corals that started out you know, microscopic um, you know, University of Miami uh, School of Marine Science. Um, they grow them to a certain size there, you know, in a controlled environment, and then they move them out into open water, and they 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 hang these little, little baby corals. On. It almost looks like an artificial Christmas tree, uh, you know, a plastic PVC structure that's anchored uh, to the seafloor, and then they grow and mature to a certain size, so we're, we're able to harvest them from there. And then we take them and actually plant them at the site yeah. and, and there's different methods to plant them. That's uh, you know, whether it's driving something that looks like a, you know, think of small railroad spike slash, you know, really gnarly nail that you beat into the substrate uh, and use literally a zip tie to attach these little baby corals to. And eventually they grow into the substrate on their own. You come back and clean up your zip ties, uh, the nails rust away. Uh, there's other methods where we epoxy them down, uh, and there's other places where it's just diseased coral that we're treating with uh, literally antibiotics. So it really depends on the scenario uh, yeah. and what it is that's affecting that reef. But it's it's really interesting. We planted for the 100 yards of hope. These corals were about the size of your fist when we planted them. They are staghorn, so they have little you know pieces that look like antlers that stick off of them. Uh, we plant them in yard lines with the sidelines and the end zone to look like a football field. And we dove on it for the second time, uh, I'm guessing four, maybe six months later. So, and those things were the size of large basketballs. Wow. And it was really, really amazing to see how fast, how fast that entire area transformed itself. Yeah. When we planted that stuff, it was a beautiful area. The water was clear, but it was it was barren. It was kind of blah looking. Six months later, after planting this reef, it was absolutely amazing how much life was just back there. Not just the fact that these little tiny corals that we had planted had grown so big, yeah. but out of tropical fish and nurse sharks and eels and, and you name it, that is just now in that area. It's really, it's really cool to see. Really wow. cool to see. It's amazing. It, it reminds me, um, 
we got to do a, a fishing show up in New York City, and they had a project called the Billion Oyster Project. And it sounded very similar, mm. you know, the way that they were, uh, you know, breeding the oysters in a, in, a lab, in a lab. And it sounded very similar process to where the, then they would go and they weren't like Christmas tree shape, but they were on like sheets. Yeah. And then they would go and plant the sheets down there. And the same, same thing, Matt, they'd go back down a year later and these oyster colonies would be like double or triple the size. So, so amazing, you know, how we can, we can bring them back. You know, we That's can help great. that process. Wow. Matt, is there any new reef expansions in, in the works? Well, yeah, the 100 Yards of Hope is an ongoing thing. Um, so that that's not that's not done. That's an ongoing project. Gonna, we're going to keep chipping away at that. Um, but yeah, there's projects all over the place. You know, the the, the 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 problem is you know finding the resources, you know, donors and the, and the people that you need to go do these are yeah. these are big undertakings. Yeah. You know, it's you know there's as many people supporting on topside as there are you know skilled divers in the water getting after it. So it's it's a it, it is truly a team. But it's a, it's an awesome team. It, it's it's really cool. And when you talk about transitioning out of the military, it's a great organization because everyone everyone there has kind of been there, done that. So right. you know, they, and the egos are left at the door. You know, you got a really cool mission, really goal oriented with this you know this reef project or the turtle project, whatever it may be. Yeah, it, it's really cool. Guys just kind of get after it and have a good time, and uh, can't say enough good things about it. Matt, Matt, or. Uh... You know, that's great for the science of this, right? The, these guys have these extremely experienced scuba guys that can go down and, and work underwater. That, that's amazing. Um, are, are you guys volunteers or, you know, is this something that uh, you guys are generating income from? Because I, I feel like that, you know, that would be a great thing to put, put these, uh, you know, retired service members to work doing this stuff. Yeah, no, there's, you know, rarely pay involved. It's a volunteer thing. There are, depending on how that event, that project is structured with the donors, you know, there may be per diem, there may be per diem involved and, you know, pay for your travel, but it's, it's a volunteer organization, uh, you know, and it's not, nobody's getting paid. Nobody's getting rich off it. That's for sure. You do it. It's really, uh, it, it's, it's, it's really hard to explain until you get down there and feel it. When I started doing this, I was, and I've been in the water my whole life. I thought of coral as rock. Cause this is kind of a pretty rock. And when you get down there and start dealing with this and you realize this is a living organism mm -hmm. and it's reacting when you're handling it, it can, you can, you can tell that it's alive. It's really, really an amazing experience. So guys definitely aren't doing it for the money. It's a all volunteer organization. So how many what? divers are there? Well, there's a lot, but like I said, depending on where the project is, you know, like I said, everyone has a life and other jobs as well. So, yeah to try and get the team together. And that's really where we come into play, whether it's you know, the University of Miami or whoever it is, they've got the smarts, they know how to do it, but they don't have enough people either. So it's really about building the team, uh, you know, and we become a force multiplier and just some manpower. You know, they yeah. obviously give us some training, otherwise we'd be down there screwing it all up. Yeah. Uh, but we, we couldn't do it without the scientific you know, backside of it. And to the scale that we're doing it, they can't do it either without the manpower. Wow. So it, it's a good uh, relationship. Yeah. That's so, amazing. Well, it was actually Yamaha that um, introduced us yeah. because I know they, they do so much for, 
you know, ecology and they work with so many different groups and yes. they want to make sure the waterways and they're always on Capitol Hill trying yeah. to make sure that boaters rights and, and, you know, the, you know, water and, and everything's taken care of. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty awesome. Uh, how, how can people get involved though? Like, so here's regular Joe Schmo. Okay. I can't dive. I can't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't live near where there would be a reef. Like, so right. how does the regular Joe Schmo say, how can I help Force Blue? Yeah, go to their website, you know, www.forceblue.org. You know, they've got a great website, you know, lots of videos. So it's, it's, you know, a lot of the questions that you're asking or somebody who's just kind of interested or wants to be a donor, you know, there's some great, uh, you know, media clips with video kind of showing us you know, live in action of how that whole process happens. So it's pretty interesting, even if you don't end up, pulling the trigger on the donate button. Uh, a lot of really good information on there. There's bios on you know, a lot of the team members. Uh, it, it's all right there on the website. You can donate right through there. That's awesome. Well, con you know, conservation, we, we have to have it. You know, we have to have it. Whether you, whether you fish, whether you snorkel, you do water sports, this is, this is ground level at getting nature back to the way it's supposed to be. So shout out to you guys for doing this. Yeah, Dave. Matt, Matt, I'd like to ask you, Brian, do you want to ask a question? Oh, uh, I got something when you're done. All right, Matt, I'd like to ask you. I read a lot, Matt, and I read a lot. <laughs> no, We're so sorry, Matt. No, this isn't, he this didn't isn't read it all from, from grade school to college. He didn't read anything, <laughs> so I, he's catching up. And I know? am the most learned person in this room right now, Matt. Let's go. All right, I've read more books than any of you Dave. You he can make right? a Navy He knew a lot about sawdust as a kid. I did. I was in metal shop in Woodshop. Listen, Matt. I was a police officer. I read a lot of things and they never know no matter how much I read, they never get law enforcement right. Now I read a lot about the reefs in, in the keys and it was under, it, it was my impression that the dumping that the cruise ships are allowed to do contaminates the reef. But you seem to be more on the lines and you're in the nose. You're talking to these geniuses. Like you said, you keep your mouth shut in that room. Huh. It, water temperature has more to do with it than, than the sewage, yeah. huh? I'm not saying more to do with it. I'm saying it's, it's, it's not an either or. There's, there's, there's issues that are directly tied to the water temp, uh, and there's other issues that are directly tied to, you know, bacteria and dirty water. Got it. Right. Uh, whether it's coming from the cruise ships, I mean, I'm sure it is a lot of it. You know, I have no way, you know, I don't have the data on that. But, yeah, it's not an either or. It's a, it's a yes to both of them. Mm. Got it. Copy that. Right. Yeah. Yep. I've, I've read and listened to some things about the reefs and, and you know, the, the – what is it? The Great Reef in Australia is it, water temperature is knocking that back, too. Uh, so it's great work that you're doing. When you've had your teams down there, man, ever see any sharks? Great whites? You guys uh, <laughs> getting any trouble down there? Yeah, I never, never a great white. I'm good with that. But you know, you get out here on the reef track in 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 the Florida Keys, you're going to see a shark. Uh, so, but they don't mess with you. It's actually more of a curiosity thing you know we're down there kind of you know upside down tapping nails into the bottom or, or doing whatever you do whatever we're doing that particular day that particular dive and you have a lot of curious a lot of curious animals will come to kind of check out and see what's going on so that's been one of the amazing things about this i had only dove recreationally once i only dove recreationally once in my life before i retired you know before i got involved with force blue and all my diving had been as a seal in the middle of the night carrying a bunch of shit. Uh, so to be able to go down there, you know, and, and you're working focused on the mission, 
but to be able to look left, look right, take a look around, we're like, wow, this is really, you know, really amazing. You know, yeah. spotty rays, green sea turtles, you know, uh, black tips, nurse sharks, you know, all the fish you can imagine. Uh, so that's been another really great thing about these projects is kind of open my eyes uh, again to the ocean, look at it in a different way. Yeah. Like I said, I, I yeah, dug two tanks with my 12 year old. It was awesome. Water's too hot for the uh, for for the for the whites down there, Pete. They don't like that steaming hot water, dude. The water's it, it, except except when I decide to go in, I'm sure they'll show up. <laughs> but, uh, they, yeah. they don't eat masks. You wear the COVID mask everywhere, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> they'll run from that thing underneath the water. Uh, uh, my my son my son is 11 years old, and he's interested in scuba. Do you, do you guys do that you at your facility down at Isle Morata? Uh, I don't, you know, I do snorkeling charters and, you know, backcountry fishing. Um, but, you know, I, I will pair my kids up with a certified scuba instructor so they can have, you know, the card so they can have the signature. Um, but, you know, whether you think it's good or bad when your dad's a SEAL Master Chief, your your path to being a junior open water scuba diver is going to be a little different than your buddies. Uh, so I spent a lot of time. Uh, working with my sons in the pool and in the ocean. Um, I wouldn't say hard on them uh, more because I care about them so much and I've seen what the ocean can do to men that have strength and stamina, you know, that most people can, can't even imagine in the ocean. I'm talking about, you know, some of the seals that I've worked with who are taken in the blink of an eye by the ocean. Uh, So although as much as I love it and I want my sons to be a part of it, I definitely put them in the, through the ringer when it comes to training to make sure they're safe and make sure they're prepared yeah. when they go out there. As you guys know, being on the water, Mother Nature doesn't care who you are. Yeah. No, she doesn't. True Brian that. Carpenter, what do you have? I, uh, I got a- yeah. Before I get into this, I got a message from Duke Lunkin. It says, "I feel like Pete's about to ask if Bonita are big fish, <laughs> <laughs> and our sharks teeth are sharp." Shark's teeth sharp. So, Dave, <laughs> did you listen to the uh, Joe Rogan with uh, David Blaine? No, I didn't listen to that one yet. Don't All right, so, David Blaine. Ah. Yeah, so David Blaine's the the uh, rad magician. magician, right? Right. Yeah. So he, you know, his podcast kind of goes all over the yeah. place. So at one point, and this was just last week, they got into some talking about Carl. Yeah. And and uh, so Carl, specific species of Carl, spawn synchronous synchronously, right? No matter where they are on the planet, they could be thousands of miles apart. They will spawn at the exact same time, the exact same day, like weekday yeah. to the minute, no matter where they are. And all right, so I'm going to read you a few things here. I'm going to try to read okay. on, on the air. All right. So uh, Carl's synchron- synchronous spawn is essential for Carl's, Carl's survival. Jesus, hold on a second. You got that. <laughs> My lips are sticking together. It's been he a He just took long a chunk day. of a beer, Matt. Um, Carl colonies must continuously expand outward to thrive, expand outward to thrive, and fucking shit. Um, they breed outside. I think that's the wrong paragraph. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. No, I know. I knew this was going to happen. Yeah, we got a master chief on yeah. here just sitting there dying. <laughs> All right. So at the same, same day, at the same hour, usually within the same minute, Carls of the same species, although separated by thousands of miles, will suddenly spawn in perfect synchronicity. The dates and times vary from year to year for reasons only the coral knows. Um, still, one, while one species of coral spawns during one hour, another species right next to it waits for a different hour or a different day or a different week before spawning with its own species. Wow. 
If you broke off a chunk of coral and placed it in a bucket beneath a sink in London, that chunk would, in most cases, spawn at the same time as other coral of the same species around the world. Wow. Yeah. That's complex. Hey, if you want to learn and more this about this, that um, that Atlanta Zoo show, because the kids and I watched that religiously at the beginning of quarantine. That's They actually show. had, like, entire episodes about this because yeah. they leave the zoo and go do all sorts of research and stuff, and they have video. Like, they showed it. They were diving, and, and you could see the spawn. It was oh, wild. Really? Does, yeah. does Kayla spawn it at was, the same time, too, the, or no? the coolest Ooh. thing. Hey. Matt, have you ever dove at night and got to see, like, the uh, the fluorescence underneath the water uh, down there in the Keys I always heard about? Yeah, I have thousands of dives at night. Um, talking about fun dives? I, I only know that when Brian and I went down there a couple times, we talked to people that dove, and they said at night that, like, you can, like, wave your hand through the water and, like, stuff, yes. like, like, lights up. Yeah, it's the bioluminescence, and not necessarily specific to the Keys. Just the water's so clear down here. It probably just looks a little little prettier. Um, but going, you know, going back, we are just talking about the coral spawning. Uh, they definitely know when it's going to happen because you know, the scientists that we work with, they dive – at that night, at that time, wow. so they can observe it. So the hundred yards of hope uh, reef that we planted, that we we're just talking about, Force Blue, it just spawned two weeks ago. Oh wow! And the, the scientists from, uh, I think it was the Bubba's from University of Miami, uh, they were there to see it. So you know, it definitely, it's it's definitely something you can uh, plan around and be there at a certain time to make to watch it happen. That's pretty wild. amazing. How many different species of coral are there? Uh, that's that's way out of my league. There's a lot. So just to finish up here, coral Sorry, is the Brian. largest biological structure on the planet and covers 175,000 square miles of seafloor. Um, it is the most primitive, uh, one of the most primitive animals, animals on earth, no eyes, ears, or brain yet can communicate like that. Dang. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. That's pretty wild shit. Very, very wild. Uh, Riz, I know we got a couple coming through for Matt. What do we got? We do. Uh, Debbie on the message board would like to know. Um, Debbie are, Mars? Is there any plans in the works um, to to do some work after hurricane after the hurric after the last two hurricanes um, this past week? As she knows that you did some work to help restore the reef after Irma and Maria. Yeah, if, if there is, that's that's above my pay grade. Um, so, you know, the leaders at, at Force Blue and those agencies that are involved in those das disaster relief projects, uh, you know, those are conversations that they don't they don't uh, call me in on. So, not sure. But she's correct. Uh, after Irma and Maria, I believe it was, uh, you know, that was still I was still on active duty, but you know, I know Force Blue was instrumental. Uh, in repairing a lot of sections of reef that got completely destroyed during those two storms. So. Wow. Yeah, it's key. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. Super amazing that you found a like a a purpose to like still utilize the skills that you had from the military and really apply them in the civilian world. You know, like to 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 have the skill set as a diver that you have as a Navy SEAL is like you're you're in the like the one percentile of everybody in yeah. the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for Force Blue to like give you that outlet to still apply that and, you know, have a purpose that it's so beyond what normal people yeah. can even imagine. It's yeah. uh it's pretty pretty sweet. It's very cool. And like I said, if you if you like to fish, swim, surf, if you like nature, yeah. this is important. 
This is key stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do have yeah. one question for you outside of Force Blue and Isla Murata. Is the bar Woody still in existence? Ah. <laughs> yes. Still there. Still there. And is, is the band, is that guy still alive? Big, the Indian big, guy? Big Dick and the Extenders? Big Dick and the Extenders. Yeah, I'm not sure on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, Matt. I don't get out to live music venues uh, as much as I used to. <laughs> so, no, listen, Matt, listen. Back in the day, this is like 20, fucking 25 years ago. Listen, there was a band that used to play at Woody's called Big Dick and the Extenders. It was like a Native American guy. He was like one foot in the grave 25 years ago. I'm sure he's dead. But he was a big, he was a big guy on the, with the flats boats and going up into the glades. But, dude, he would play like, you know, he'd play like blues. And then he would let people from the audience go up and tell, like, jokes. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, and like, oh, dude, it was great, man. Oh, and he would roast you. And he would hammer people walking oh, yeah, in the yeah. door, dude. He called me Buzz Lightqueer when I walked <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, he did. <laughs> wow. Dave still remembers yeah. 25 yeah, 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 yeah. years later. Everyone laughed at me. What am I going to do? I'm going to quit them. I think you got up and told a joke, too. I told a couple jokes, yeah. Probably can't repeat them. No, we absolutely can't. Okay. <laughs> Maybe after the show. Even before all this, we'd be canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Even before canceling. So, yeah. Matt, how does it feel to be a guide now? And you have people on the boat. That This is a completely different world. Like, yeah. when you spoke before, like, you were in charge. Yeah. Now you have these people that are vacationing. Yeah. They're having fun. <laughs> yeah. Fat tourists. They're, like, yeah. slathering sunscreen and getting yeah. it all over your boat. They're holding like, the fishing reel upside down. Sticking their <laughs> gross feet on your seats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How have you done with that transition? That's a tough transition. That's a tough transition. Yeah, I've, been, you know, I've been really lucky. It's only been about a year. I've had some really great clients. And, you know, I, obviously I take anybody. This is a business. But I focus really hard. I work really, really hard for the veteran community. You know, we host Gold Star Children here. So oh, nice. children's yeah. nice. whose dads were SEALs, uh, you know, who were you know, either killed in training, killed in combat. Um, you know, other vets who are just looking for, you know, a day to get out on the water and you know, very similar to like what I do at force blue, you know, and there's, yeah. there's tons of great captains and guides down here with way more experience than me. But I think there's a, there's a, there's a special connection, you know, when that, when it's a veteran family or an active duty family on board, you know, and the captain, yeah. you know, has been there and done that to some extent with them. Um, yeah, for sure. So it, it's been great. It's been really, really great. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's good. Yeah. I have a personal question. Okay. So, I feel like my phone is always listening to me and watching me, <laughs> and I feel like it's highly invasive, but there's nothing interesting about my life that matters if I'm really <laughs> being listened to or followed or has my face recognition. Do they get to give you a special phone where all that stuff doesn't happen on your phone? <laughs> Please tell me yes. Well, when you're, when you're still in, you do. So, I, you know, I use my personal phone for personal stuff and had work phones that I could talk about other type of you know, information, other levels of classification on, but I don't have any of that anymore. So it's just me and the iPhone. Now I don't have to carry around the three phones that I used to. See that's, that's our logo. Nice. <laughs> nice. You can see the Isla Mirada Coastal Adventures logo right there. Yeah. Anytime you guys want to come down and go chase a tarpon or a redfish or a snook out in the Everglades, or if you just want to get out to the reef, you, know, you guys have my contact info. I'd be, Happy. I've been Mike. I've been a fan of yours for a long time. I've been a bass fisherman my whole life. Even though I lived on in this, you know, near the saltwater, I've always been a bass fisherman. Uh, been a big fan. I appreciate it, Matt. Yeah, it's uh, fishing gets you. Um, bass fishing. I've loved it since I was 12 years old. So I know, I know the feeling. Matt, if somebody's watching right now, we got a lot of people watching. We're gonna have people later listening to the show, and they're like, "God damn, I'm gonna be in the Keys." 
I want to go hook up with Matt. I want to go snorkeling. I want to fish, whatever they want to do. How can they find you? What's the best way if they want to find uh, Coastal Adventures? How can they find you? So my website, www.islamaradacoastaladventures.com. Yep. I'm also on uh, Facebook and Instagram, so always posting new content on there. They can find me on the Internet or social media. I'm there. That's awesome. That's awesome. We're really sorry, but Dave's probably going to find you. Dave's going <laughs> to I want to find him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We I, all may find I, you I here in the next six yeah. months. Really, really bad. I, yeah. I think we need an Ike Live executive trip. That we might need a yeah. trip. Yeah. Alamorada. Let's go catch some snow. I know. We Let's might go. need a trip. Charles, you get cold up here. Come if, on. Charles, if you're watching right now, you got to start selling more sponsorships. Yeah. Come on, so we can all take a trip <laughs> down to fish with Matt. Uh Matt, I can't thank you enough for, for joining us on the show. Uh, it, it's such an honor, such a pleasure. We appreciate your service uh, so much, what you've done for the country. And, and now what you're doing with Force Blue, dude, I, can't, I honestly can't thank you enough. I mean, it's so important. Yeah. Um, it's, it's to me, you know, any of that conservation stuff, whether it's fresh or salt, guys have to be doing it. you got to yeah. pay attention to it. And to have, have you guys doing that, uh, it means it means so much. I, I can't I can't appreciate what you're doing enough. It's it's great. And everybody stuff. everybody can do a little. You don't have to be a scuba diver. You don't have to be a retired seal. Everybody can do a little. Yeah. And let me uh, real quick. Uh, forcebluteam.org. So if people want to donate, go to forcebluteam.org. You know, and they're hitting me up at Alamorada Coastal Adventures, uh, and I can put you in touch with them as well. So plenty yeah. of, plenty of ways uh, for your viewers and listeners uh, to help out if they want. That's awesome. Matt, we appreciate awesome. it. Keep keep doing what you're doing. And uh, yes, sir. thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. Matt Foreman, yeah. everybody. Wow. Thank you, Matt. That was thank awesome. You. Thanks, wow. Matt. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Man, that's a, that's awesome. What's that's that awesome. like to you hearing a master chief in the Navy? Yeah. A SEAL. Yes. Say he's been a fan of I was going to say that's got to be something. It's unbelievable. It's very, very humbling. It's very uh, – it's, it's this strange, weird feeling – but it's it's the great thing about it is that's the beauty of fishing. You know what I mean? Like honestly, like it just it just transfers borders. Yeah. But, you, but you there's know? a great more, equalizer. There's far yeah. more yeah. Division One athletes yeah. than there are Navy SEALs. I know. And here's the deal. I know. It's like he's it's, a fan of yours, uh, man. It, it's incredible. You know? I mean, the the big difference is you know, like I said, it's humbling. But the big difference is we know we know these guys. We've had them on the show before. These dudes are special. You know what I mean? And it, you can tell, like, even when we interviewed Matt, Pete, you, you could hear it. He's, you know, they don't, these guys don't like to talk about themselves. You know, they no. just, it's just what they do. But, like, we look back and, and you know, like, I, I'm looking at Matt's bio. Bex told me a, a few things about Matt that we couldn't talk about Good on the job show. On this, by the way. And, Thank you. and yeah. you know, when you, when you talk about it, you're like, holy shit, this yeah. dude is the dude. Like, right. He's what he he does is so far beyond what I could ever do. What you know, dude, I I could never nah, do nothing wrong, like that. You're wrong about that. The way you're driven and what you do, if you were if you decide to be driven in that, you would have done that, Mike. Yeah, nah, but you, you but I mean, these guys, the, the the that level, baddest dude on the planet. Yeah, when you yeah. get yeah, to that, that level in the military, him, he oh yeah, that. no, you no know question, I mean? no like question. He has that in him, dude. Yeah, but 
but but again, I think the difference is, you know, these guys, the way they serve our country, um, is is the difference. You know, yeah. and it's very I'm very, very appreciative and, when I hear and, that. And yeah. still serving. Still serving. Still, still serving. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you yeah. know, volunteering and contributing and doing something pretty spectacular. Yes. Uh, you know, it's uh, they're special, special kind of people beyond the physical. Yeah. You know, you know, what, I, you know just, what I was thinking though? Like like, you know, so like like Rich brought up, and I thought that was a great point about how you know finding finding something for these guys to do, you know, as they move on. I was wondering, Pete, what, where would you take Dead Stick and a Senko to, uh, you know, if you stopped <laughs> bass fishing? <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think you could are, translate are, that into in your next uh, career move? Are, 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 aren't you tired of this, of this particular line of questioning? <laughs> 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 Yeah. I just think I think we live in this very um, like narcissistic culture and world. Oh God, yeah! And it's amazing to have the opportunity to bring someone so humble on. They're all and, and, and they're all like that. Have this like right. moment they're all like to that. appreciate yeah. like what he's done yeah. for the last yeah. two decades, yeah. so that we can live in this narcissistic. Yes. Like, yeah. don't you think right. that sometimes it's those people sit like someone like Matt? I mean, I'm not saying Matt's like this, but I'm saying sometimes to give that service, to do what they do every day that the rest of the world doesn't take the time to think about, and they're doing it for the people in this country, and we just, yeah, we, like, with our it's first world problems. They're yeah. higher than us, and they're talking, like, they're not talking, they're talking down to lower humans. That's <laughs> what they're doing, man. Like, they're superhumans, and they're talking down to lower humans, <laughs> and that's why they seem humble. Yeah, that's just reality of it, right? It's just somebody write that down. We got to smart. (laughs) We got to analyze that later. Confidence, you know, like like, dude, like (laughs) like Matt Foreman, he went through the hardest training anybody you you can go through. Yeah, yeah, there is for seven months. Like it's he's the he's one of the baddest fucking dudes on the planet. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I don't think he, I don't think somebody like that even has a need to like. To, their their, to, ego, their yeah. egos are in check, and I, and I, and we find that when we when we you know we've had the Miller brothers in here, yeah, and and yeah. Uh, Gregor Gillespie and yeah. and some other you know athletes, especially you know, I would say their egos are in check with you know with other the, other sports, but with with fighters and with the military guys, their egos are in check. You got it yeah. wrong. They're in check yeah. when they're talking to norms like us. When they're around each other, yeah. their egos are not in check. Oh yeah, because. Force and they're trying to outdo each other. Their and egos who, are in check. Who, who around. are we talking to? Talking about? I'm talking about all these alphas. Whether you're talking yeah. about the Miller brothers or you're talking about that guy, their egos are in check when they're talking to the civilians like us. But when they're around each other, their egos are not in check. They are not the same people around each other. As they I, are haven't, I haven't when met they're them talking yet. To us. I haven't met them yet. You haven't been in that environment yet. I'm t- you know, like those dudes. Maybe. Jim Miller. You think Jim Miller is the same when he's competing against his buddies? He's not, dude. Well, He's like I that mean, that's, that's just straight competition. They shake hands before and after, and, and you know, and then it's game on. And it's different. I, I, I get what us. you're saying, Dave. I get what you're saying. It's like the analogy I can put it to is like like being on the water, like fishing with Mike or fishing against Mike. Right. Like off the water, you're you're good buddies with everybody. Oh, you know dude, I mean? on the water, Mike's the worst. I'm the worst. The, <laughs> the, no, I want to kill them all. But that's the thing. That's the thing. I want to I want to fucking kill them all. Let me tell you, Riz and I fished a tournament last weekend at Manasquan. This, like, 16, 15-year-old kid oh. was all up on my spot. I wanted to kill him. I wanted but to take him down. So that's the analogy. It's like, Ger- Ger- it's like Gerber geez. neck him. Gerber neck him. Um, wow. I wanted blood, man. Now, listen. Wow. I'm, guys, I'm, Brian, I'm going to sum it up right now. It's, it's, it's just listen. competition. No, yeah. listen. In terms of, like, when we talk about how humble these guys are with us, I worked with a guy. I was a cop with a guy. 
who, who left police work, went, became a teacher, and he said he taught kindergarten because there was the kindergarten would never answer, ask him an answer he didn't know the answer to. <laughs> That's the truth. What? That, <laughs> this guy said he became yeah. a kindergarten teacher because no one would ever ask him a question he didn't know the answer to right away. That's what these guys are to us. I really thought you were going to say something no. like really that awesome. Like, like, like no, I, wanted, I wanted to work with kindergartners because no. kindergartners don't lie. Like they flat no. out, they like, yeah. if you look fat, they tell you look fat no. that day. Like the well, he like just wanted to look filter. smart all well, the time. No, that, not, not that he's trying to look smart, but he's. They're talking down to us. I'm telling you guys, yeah. you don't understand that yet. <laughs> we are Dude, not on their level. Everything, Dave. No, I didn't rub. Just saying they're not yeah. on their level, Brian. That's shout all out I'm saying. To, shout uh, out to Tin Cup. We are, we are lower <laughs> level humans. We are lower shout level. Shout out to Tin Cup. Who said uh, that? <laughs> <laughs> Rizzo, shout out to Tin Cup. Uh, regardless, regardless, <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, here. That was the most... That was the weirdest compliment for yeah. someone. No, it's not. No, it's not. You know what I mean? Like, I hope everyone understands that that's Dave's way of saying Dave does not represent the thoughts. Yeah. I know. Why don't you go read another quote and then stand <laughs> through that? And then Carl. All, which Carl. Is that's shit. Carl. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I've been up, Carl. I've been yeah. up since two this morning. I'm down here diving in the jockums. Read us one with spaces then. Carl. It doesn't help that you got a contact high from Eric when he got in the boat this morning. I do want to say that was awesome. Uh, talking to Matt Foreman from Force Blue right there. It was great. And shout out to Yamaha uh, for hooking us up. And, yeah. and Becky, you mentioned Yamaha does have a lot of cool initiatives. They're the not just they're not just selling motors. They're doing no, a lot of this cool stuff. The amount of conservation so. work that they do yes. is incredible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. Uh, let me remind everybody, if you're watching over on Facebook, listen, we got one more segment coming up. Uh, now's your chance. If you're watching on Facebook, like and share the feed. Oh, yeah, Luke's coming up. Like and share the feed. <laughs> and see how many friends you can lose. Yes, like and share the feed. If you do that, you're going to be entered in a contest to win the world-famous Ike Live gift bag. That's right. Turn on your notifications, too, people. Turn uh, on your notifications on social media speak, so you know what we're doing. Yeah, and before, before we go on break, Brian, speaking of Tin Cup, this yeah. it, dude, this whiskey is good. <laughs> Dude, this whiskey. So, this this is this, uh, this is real talk right now. Right, this, this is good so, whiskey, Dave. This, 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 listen, guys, and I'm not it's so good. Dave's is you calling. know I call it the way I call. It. <laughs> I was on the Johnny and Walker. And I say it the way I say it. I was and on I the said it and I did it. All right, Brian, thank you. <laughs> I was on the Johnny Walker double black, and any guys ever bought that shit? You know how expensive that is. <laughs> it's not it's not child's play in terms of whiskey. Oh this God. tin cup is amazing, yeah. guys. Yeah. If you've never tried it yet, try it. If you don't like it, don't drink the shit no more. It's but really I'm telling you, it's amazing. <laughs> it's it's really good. And and let me just throw in that this is made with water. From the Rocky Mountains, and every bottle comes with a little tin cup. I tell you what, drink it. They like, also got cool accoutrements, man. Like if you look at their, uh, they got like a travel cup that can hook on your belt if you're like drinking and uh, hanging out. And what know? is that called? <laughs> it's a carabiner. A carabiner. Yeah, it's got a carabiner built into oh, it. That's, that's cool. cool. This is yeah. rad, dude. I would yeah. totally have this when you do your swamp party on the Fourth of July. I would absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> have hey, we could all hook them on our yes. suits. Yeah, you could have you could have a sash with it on there. You can do whatever you want. All right, get that. Tin cup. That's yeah. good stuff. All right. Uh, let's do this. Let's take a break. Tin cup might Does end the show. Notice, like, Mike keeps getting huh? closer and Tin closer. Tin cup might end the show. It might. <laughs> might it might take us all down. It might, it might be the final nail in the coffin. <laughs> 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 the, the, the push over the edge. It might be. All right. Let's, let's take a break, Brian. Um, listen, if you're watching and listening right now, don't go anywhere because when we come back. It's about to get crazy. We've got the one and only. Luke Duncan. And? And Luke's coming on to make a really big 
first-time announcement and about the be, NPFL. And there might be a surprise guest popping in. And it might be a surprise guest popping in. It might Let's be Drake. Uh. Is it going to be Drake? Yeah. Okay, we'll see. Hang in there with <laughs> us Drake when we rapper? come back. Yeah, Drake the Rapper. Hang in there with us when we come back. More Ike Life. Hi. Today we're going right? chest to chest in the Dr. Squatch lather test. On that half of Mike's impressive chest, we're rubbing them down with three name brand bars. The result? A sad, milky film of disappointment. How's that feel, Mike? You see, Big Soap cuts corners and strips out all the sudsy goodness in order to make production cheaper. But not Dr. Squatch. Don't worry, Mike. Dr. Squatch soap retains all the natural ingredients, which creates a rich, foamy lather, leaving your skin healthy, soft, and clean. Ooh, looks like Squatch is taking over this peck party. How do you feel now, Mike? Dr. Squatch Natural Soap. When we say it lathers, it f***ing lathers. You deserve glorious lather. Take the lather challenge for yourself today. Four and a half inch drop shot worm. Bam a bug. Finesse jig, PB&J, give me something hard. Hey, KBD here. Now, I didn't always know this much about fishing. Three-aught, no, four-aught EWG worm hook. In fact, there was a time when I couldn't tell the difference between a jerk bait and a stick bait. But then I signed up for Mystery Tackle Box, the original monthly tackle subscription. And now I know more about fishing than I do about calculus. And he knows a lot about calculus. Plus, I get amazing extras like free fishing magazines. October 2016. Featured article, four places to throw a frog. Exclusive decals, <coughs> zombie bass. And how-to videos for all the great baits I receive. How to tune a crankbait. Is that underwater footage I smell? I got goosebumps. So if you're looking to develop enhanced fishing abilities like me, or you just like getting new tackle every month, go to mysterytacklebox.com and get your box today. Live minnows. Is it lunchtime already? Nature's candy. Oh. Is he in my pocket? This time of year, I definitely recommend putting a little bit of this on your soft plastics, too. There he is. Another one. Next cast. And that would be number six. I'm addicted. I'll admit it. I'm, I'm straight addicted. This might be bigger. Think so? Look where the stripers get it. You can't even see it, man. That might be a keeper. 